I'm rather busy. Now he's going to move like right along to McGregor. That's his whole life. You know. All right, so Richard said a couple weeks ago that things were going to come to a head on United States of Terror, <laughs> and they have come to a head, uh, uh, even I, even literally, because uh, Bryce has cut Tara's ponytail off at the end of the second episode. Well, I would suggest that the next episode is everything coming to a head, because, it's, folks, it's going to get a little worse. Uh, but, yeah, this is, this is the show at its darkest. This is, in some ways, the show... I don't know, because in some ways, Bryce is kind of a cliche. He's the psychotic alter. But in other ways, I think he's done in a much more interesting way than traditionally. And what I think is what I think is the most interesting thing about Bryce is that he's largely a threat to Tara. I mean, he's, you know, which is very serious, which is very real. But other than poisoning Dr. Hatteras and, you know. Which, you know, let's not underplay that. That's no, a pretty big deal. No, uh, it's true. Um Although, you know, frankly, Dr. Hatteras does get medical attention in time. There are other people. And, you know, if I – not that I want – not that I want to give Bryce some credit, but I think he more wanted to just do so. – I don't think killing Dr. Hatteras was necessarily his goal, though. I don't think he would be upset if Dr. Hatteras ended up dying. He, I think, wanted to just make that statement. What he is doing is removing Tara's support network, alienating her from her friends and family, and – you know, getting her alone, you know, he, in other words, he doesn't have designs on Marshall or Max right. or anything. They're only interesting to him in as much as they can destroy Tara. Yeah, and this is, I mean, I think this is the episode of the podcast where we're really going to get into into DID because Dr. Hatteras is convinced at the end of the first yeah. episode that DID is real. He says, you know, consider yeah. me converted. And because he, I think Dr. Hatteras believes that Tara would not have, yeah. uh, you know, poisoned him with the crab. So that's number one. And I also think that the open question for me that I was left it, left with at the end of the second episode, uh, Trainwreck, is... Oh, I just got the title. Okay, continue. <laughs> yeah. Why is Bryce doing these things? And because specifically the way that I'm framing that is, you know, the way that we've talked about the alters, you know, during these episodes of tuning in is really about the alters, especially in the first season, um, doing things that uh, uh, Tara, you know, could not do herself, Mm -hmm. kind of taking care of things for her, you know, as she um, as she was spiraling a little bit out of control, for example. And Bryce seems to be doing a similar thing in some respects yeah. where he's driving the family away. Yeah. And, but in order to protect them, I think. Well, I mean, Bryce does uh, – Tara does say at one point, you know, maybe Bryce is the only way I know how to make the altars go away. I mean, you know, she doesn't hear Shoshana. She doesn't hear Chicken. And, you know, assumedly then next Alice, Buck, and, you know, all of the others are. And – in a very fucked up way, Bryce is fulfilling that need to get rid of the altars. But not only to get rid of the altars, I agree with you, but, yeah. but he's driving Marshall away. Uh, you know, Marshall has always been someone who wants... I mean, Marshall has wanted to get yeah. out of the house. Kate has wanted to get out of the house. But, and I think also, you know, this is a really strong, uh, you know, two-episode pairing for the idea that Kate and Marshall, you know, both, uh, you know, have the sort of emotional reactions from from children that grow up in abusive households. But that Marshall, you know, once um, Bryce destroys Marshall's room and Marshall decides to go away and we don't know where he's going, mm-hmm. um, assumedly he's going to go somewhere fine and he's going to be okay. But 
I think that that's kind of one of the roles yeah. that Bryce is playing here. Tara recognizes that, you know, she needs to. Uh, if Tara, wa- if Tara is going to finally subsume into her her her, her disease, um. And get her family into a place where they don't have to worry about her anymore. She has taken on a persona that's so odious that they can no longer love her. I mean, deliberately. Yeah, in a way, that is a dark and fucked up meme that Bryce is performing. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. I mean, at this point, she's also driven Charmaine and Neil totally away. I mean, Neil is very vehement that he doesn't want Charmaine seeing her. And at this point, this this isn't even just, well, T went crazy and, you know, know, accidentally gave her a miss, you know— gave her early labor right that that's one thing you know that was t being uncontrolled and now that she's in aa we assume that she's better that's a this is bryce there is no reasoning with bryce there is no becoming friends with bryce there is no you know and it is dangerous i mean yeah you know bryce took their baby yes and and got on a inner city bus again did bryce necessarily want to Hurt the baby? No. Hurting the baby is the means to the end of hurting Tara and driving Charmaine away. Yeah, absolutely. I think so. And, you know, it's interesting to me, too, because, you know, the open question at the end of these two episodes, of course, is, you know, what what else is Bryce going to do? You know, is he going to drive Max away? Is he going to drive Kate away to some, you know, somehow? We don't know. And, he, you know, he's already starting to do that. Mm -hmm. I think that... You know, Kate's Evan's a good guy. I like Evan. I think he's probably the only boyfriend of Kate's that I've ever liked. And, you know, yeah, he's a little bit age inappropriate, but he also, I think they're not that far apart. I mean, I kind of get the impression that that Evan might be like 25 or something, had his kid when he was very young, got married when he was very young. So it's not like he's 40 or something. I figured early, early 30s, which again, older, but, you know, my aunt and uncle, for example, are roughly that age difference and you know they it can work yeah and i mean kate's out of high school she's out of the house she's working so it's not like he's dating someone who's in high school yeah and there is also the issue of i mean both of them come to the conclusion at the end where they ultimately decide no we want to actually date but having a bit more of a casual relationship between the two of them is also on the table but i think that that um Kate's reaction to that is very indicative of the ways that she's grown, especially over the past few months, because I think that if she had met Evan six months ago or a year ago, she would be, I'm going to move to St. Louis and be with you. Yeah. She's not doing that. Well, she's not looking for a relationship as a way to get out of, out of the house anymore. Right. Like, you know, she, she's not looking at this guy as this is my ticket out of this place. She's actually, looking at the guy and saying, all right, I enjoy his company. I enjoy being with him. You know, we have fun together. And and that's why I want to be in a relationship with this person, not because he represents an escape. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that... In, yeah, in a way, moving in with... And I, I, I have to admit, I've written his name... I think I wrote started calling him Harvey or, or Henry, you know, because I don't even remember what his name is. Evan. Evan. I always you said it 30 seconds ago. It's a name that I just can't remember. But yeah, no, I, I mean, Monty for, for Kate is a ton more problems. You know, she is not going from. And he has a horrible kid. Oh, yes. He's, and frankly, Evan, I mean, Evan is that kind of single father who barely sees his kid. And number one. Only vaguely, you know, the kid doesn't think he has the right to discipline him or he doesn't, you know, have the authority, I guess. And, you know, uh, Harvey is, uh, 
you know, to is is not willing to discipline his own kids strongly enough because he barely sees him. Yeah, yeah. it's it's one of those crappy situations that. But I think you know, yeah, Kate, Kate at this point recognizes that you know, all right, if I have to deal with that, if that's the package, I can deal with it. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know that Kate is emotionally prepared enough to to deal with this kid. But at but, the same time, he's a he's also not he's not living with uh, Evan. Evan full time. Um, he's he's just on certain weekends, and I think that's Kate will ease into the ability to uh, deal with Monty. I mean, also this is a kid who is dealing with his parents' divorce and yeah. his dad having a new girlfriend, so he'll probably calm down in a year too. And I mean, it's not that I'm necessarily making a strong correlation or a strong connection between you know Tara's condition and this kid. But yeah. It is the case that Kate has dealt with living in a house that is unpredictable at best, yeah. you know, for a number of years, ever since she was a, a small kid. And so Monty is certainly not something that someone would necessarily want to sign up for or it would be a lot of fun. Yeah. But at the same time, it's, you know, is it as chaotic as being in her own house? I don't think so. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, Monty's not turning into other people. Yeah, and with Monty, again, there's the there's the possibility that he's going to grow out of it when he gets a little older, you know. Maybe he won't, you know, in high school, maybe he won't be horrible. Maybe he'll just calm the fuck down, but... Well, yeah, and I mean, you know, over the three years that the show has been on, Tara has gotten progressively worse. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, there is that as well. I think that... It's interesting because they don't find out about Bryce until... Um, he gets poisoned at the end of the first episode, right? Towards the end, because then there is the – that's not the very end of it. Then it, she does go into his office and all of that. Yeah, so they, they find out about Bryce at the end of the first episode. So Kate and Charmaine are the two characters yeah. that, that find out about Bryce first. You know, Max and uh, uh, Marshall are off having adventures in New York, which, you know, of course we'll talk about. But they find out about Bryce first. Kate, I think – I you know, it's interesting timing because I think that Kate is – Seeing this development, seeing this horrible new altar that is doing things that are demonstrably yeah. hurting other people, and I, I, I think that she realizes that, you know, A, life is too short, and if they really like each other, they need to go yeah. for it, and B, that she needs to develop a life outside of the house that mm-hmm. is not so wrapped up in this. Well, yeah, there's that conversation that she has with Marshall where, I mean, I like that these episodes give a bit of – make some of the subtext – blatant in a way and because we had said like well kate's leaving but she's still you know she's on a local budget you know in, in this this episode they specifically call it a crummy budget airline a couple of times like it's you know and she's living next door with her aunt you know she's not really moved and in this she finally admits like yeah i'm i'm gonna get on a plane every single day and i'm still back here yeah know? and you know, the conversation between her and Marshall where they realize, like, we – where I think they deal with the fact that there is a version of the two of them that stays at home and deals with their mother just for the rest of their lives. And they both suddenly realize, like, no, that's not the life we want for ourselves. Yeah. And we actually need to start taking steps now. Yeah, yeah. And to Tara's credit, she does tell Max fairly quickly once he returns home uh, about Bryce and, you know, what happened. So she has gone past the point of lying about her alters. Yeah, she's certainly not lying about it anymore, although the degree to which Bryce is a problem doesn't really come out until uh, Trainwreck when everybody is dealing with Lionel's death. 
So let's talk about that. Why not? Okay. Number one, I didn't realize that Train was actually Lionel's last name. At one point, Marshall, I think, calls him Lionel Train, but it sounds like he's, you know, making fun of him with a really lame joke. No, there's that whole scene where they're talking about his obituary. Well, now I was going to say no. And in this episode now, it's revealed that that actually was his last name. Yeah. Um. I'm not really sure why the show killed him. It I'm, seems like a really bizarre thing to do. It does. And in, and it, I, in know, some ways, like, I think he committed suicide. I, I really do. Uh, he, the details of the crash are ambiguous, but really the we only hear of Lionel as the only victim yeah. in it. We don't hear that, you know, all that they say is it's a car accident. It could just be simply he drove headfirst into a pole. You know, it was too something like that. I don't know. I kind of feel like if that had been the case, they would have mentioned that or someone would have had some suspicions. Mm. Uh, you know, police do have ways to figure out. Oh, yes. Whether or not an accident is is intentional or not, which, you know, a crash is intentional or not. And we're also. Yeah. Although, to be fair, we are dealing with, you know a teenager who got killed they might not put all of that info in the papers you know what i mean maybe yeah, i don't but know. I, but i also think that that um you know regardless of Either the circumstances way. of his death you know the, really what it comes down to to me is well okay they did this to try and get marshall to a certain place i'm not really sure that this is the best way to get marshall to that place and also it i mean it, it's funny to say this about a show about a woman who becomes different people but it almost seems a little too dramatic for the <laughs> show. It seems too dramatic and not dramatic enough as well. Like it's just it, it almost is is and on top of anything Lionel everything Lionel's dead. Like it's just another thing on the it, on the it, pile. It yeah, it's weird because it feels like the show killing a secondary character only because they can't kill any of the primary yeah. characters. And they, I mean, like a perfect example would have been like if they had killed Dr. Hatteras instead, yeah. of course that wouldn't have had the same impact on Marshall, of course, but yeah, I don't know. And I think that Marshall getting killed or whatever happened to him leaves that very unfinished. Maybe that's part of the point. I mm. don't know, but Seeing as how we re- the last time we saw Lionel, I believe, was when Marshall and he were sitting in the car together yeah. in, in, in two episodes ago or something like that. I don't really know. It, I, it feels very um, – it feels like a, a, a cheap shortcut to something. And it's it's the one thing in in these two episodes that I don't really like. You know, I had originally – I remember that, you know, Lionel died. I didn't rem- remember the circumstances. But I thought that the – the scene when Marshall comes up to him and uh, after they've broken up and, you know, he gives him the money for the camera and he's taking it back. I thought that that had been the last scene that Lionel was in and that the car wreck happened right after that. And, you know, if that had been the case, then yes, that would definitely be. I know he killed himself, whether or not actually or not, it's a symbolic suicide and all of that and what a... And I think that would have had more impact as far as Marshall goes, given that, you know, their last moment was kind of a cruel moment from Marshall, you know, plenty of him to regret, you know. And also, I mean, the last time that that we saw Marshall and Lionel together and probably the last time that Marshall saw Lionel, Marshall was in Lionel's car. Yeah. I mean, that's most likely on his mind, too. Hmm. Like, he was in the place where Lionel died. Yeah, I mean, Tara even says at one point, I think to Max, like, oh, my God, I just keep thinking, what if Marshall was in that car? 
Yeah. So obviously, yes, it has got it's crossed Marshall's mind too. I don't know. I, I I feel like that's all we have to say about the death of Lionel, which is kind of sad. He's. I know we had said a couple points like, yes, he's this person now, and maybe he'll grow out of that phase. You know, maybe he'll grow. We had start. We'd seen some development from Lionel's. You know, from Lionel's side. Yeah. And there was there are when we first meet Lionel, there is there there is not much hope that he's going to be okay and in the video that you know Marshall watches Lionel doesn't believe that he's going to be okay in life but you know it 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 is a tragedy it's a tragedy as it is when any teenager dies that you know just unfulfilled potential Lionel was a person who had potential and it's never going to be fulfilled he's never really going to be comfortable in his own skin yeah and that all but that said that might be part of what's going on as far as Kate and Marshall are concerned in that this is a very concrete reminder that they're not invincible. You know, somebody their age that they knew and that where they were close to is just fucking dead. This could happen. You know, Marshall could have been in the car. You know, the plane Kate's on could crash. Like, they could... Anything could happen, you know, to them. And they don't... At this point, they don't want to die in their mother's house. Yeah, true. And, and and also, too, I think that Lionel's death comes on the heels of, of one of Marshall's greatest triumphs, which is is also a nice, you know, a, a really kind yeah. of, I don't know, a mean bit of, of juxtaposition there. Yeah, and it, well, especially because it's a very complicated triumph. It's a triumph that comes in some ways at the expense of his father that kind of shows the I mean, I found it very surprising that, you know, this is the first time that Max is seeing this movie that he's has a very strong part in that his voice is literally used in. And, of course, Max and Marshall talk about that. I mean, Marshall blames his father for not being there to see the movie beforehand. I mean, I think that's very deliberate on Marshall's part that he's putting it into this context when he's forcing his dad to watch it. Yeah, I don't I kind of got the impression that Marshall didn't want to show it to his father and, and maybe he's just lashing out. I mean, I don't know. And you know, the other thing too to remember is that the, the voiceover stuff is very brief. And I think that was taken from that one interview yes. that they did that Max walked out on. Yeah. So, and Max, I, I also don't know what, I, I don't know if it was clear if they told Max what they were going to do with it. You know, maybe I don't know if they knew what they were going to do. With yeah, it. it's true. I mean, Marshall, we've seen, just kind of film shit now, and as far as his dad is concerned, this wasn't going to actually go anywhere. It would just be, all right, I'm practicing my interview skills on my dad, you know, that yeah. he would end up making a movie about it. That said, they've seen the set. They do know that, you know, kind of where Mac Marshall's head is at, I guess, around the movie. The fact that, you know, I don't think that that, that can't be the first time Max has seen the name of the movie possible that it is mm. i don't know i uh, mean he doesn't seem like he has a lot of time to no and that that is true to, to be interested in what his children are doing which i'm not blaming him no it's not a criticism i mean there's a lot of shit going on in his life but it's part of the clusterfuck of the show that max even though he does you know very much wants to be there for his kids isn't always i mean capable in a time and opportunity sense not a you know, ability sense, but he's, you know, he can't always do that. He's not always capable of that. And honestly, I think that that's part of the point of, of where Kate and Marshall's stories are going is that they don't need their parents anymore or, yeah. or they don't need their parents to protect them. I mean, mm. Kate has a job. Kate is doing what she wants to do. She is in a relationship now. 
you know, she's not living in the house. I mean, yes, she's living next door, but she's yeah. still not living in the house. And Marshall, you know, Max has to go with him to New York because Marshall is 16 or whatever. Yeah. But it, 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 he seems like he's in his element. You know, Marshall is talking about New York yeah. in that very sort of like, you know, teenage way that only teenage boys that have always wanted to live in New York talk <laughs> about New York. And I've known a lot of them because I lived in New York for a long time. And I was one of them when I was that age. But I think that it, it is Max is realizing and I think. You know, I know where these last two episodes go, but it seems to me that that part of where everyone is getting to um, with Bryce is that really Max is going to be alone. Yeah. And that kind of seems like the inevitable conclusion to the series. Yeah. That Max and Tara, well, really that Max is going to be left alone. Tara is not even going to be around. Yeah. You know, I, Bryce, I mean, that was the. That's the end of the second episode where Bryce cuts off Tara's ponytail and says, you know, she's never coming back. Yeah. And uh, I mean, one of the open questions uh, is that where is Tara? Is Tara, is Tara co-conscious with Bryce? Like, is she watching helplessly as all of this happens? And that's a horrifying thought if it's true. Yeah, it certainly is. But I, I think that whatever Bryce is doing is is with the goal of getting yes. Max alone. That That's what it seems yeah. like to me. It's a very dark version of that conversation where Tara's saying, like, look, the kids are going to leave in a couple of years. You know, they're they're almost out the door and it's just going to be you and me. And they're wondering how they're going to deal with that. But as you say, yeah, it's not even Max and Tara. If Bryce has his way, it's going to be Max and Bryce. And that's really not what Max signed up for. No, not at all. And and we haven't really talked a lot about, um, I mean, I want to I talk about Marshall a little bit more and, and what happens with him and his father in New York. But I kind of want to talk about Dr. Hatteras now yes. because I think it's really important to uh, uh, and key to the Bryce stuff in the two episodes. And also, you know, we finally find out um, a little bit more about Dr. Hatteras' yeah. background. We had speculated about that. And it was essentially kind of what we said. Uh, he says his path was Oxford to Columbia to here. And, you know, yeah, he published this book. He was this hot shot. He got a job at Oxford. You know, he was a very brilliant young you know psychologist psychiatrist psychologist who was too big for his britches and pissed off too many people and who didn't really do any work to follow up that right. initial promise it's interesting how he frames it he frames it as being a star without actually doing the work of of, of maintaining that yeah uh, which is kind of interesting and he's basically um yeah, he also intimated of course that there was some some sexual uh, uh proclivities mm. going on there that perhaps should not have been going on and but yeah i mean when she says like oh did you sleep yeah that's right when you sleep with this of course fucking dr hatteras slept with students and other faculty and anybody he enjoyed all of his stardom while it was there and but yeah pissed off a lot of people with it well i think what we can say about dr hatteras at this point is that he's a very very smart man who never really had to work very hard mm. and that only takes you so far when he got to the point where he actually had to work. Cause yeah, once you get a job at Oxford, I mean, if you're, yeah. you have to, you have to be very brilliant to maintain your job at Oxford. And you know, I, I know what, I know what professors and academics yeah. do. I know how much work they yeah. do and I know how much they're, they're constantly working and you know, conferences, grading, you know, dealing with students, teaching all that stuff. Yeah. I mean, that takes up a ton of time papers, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so 
it's not a 40 hour a week and you go home and you're done mm. job. And it doesn't seem to me like he was very interested in doing that work. And of course, no. if you're teaching at a school like Oxford or he went to Columbia after Oxford, yeah. um, maybe he was escaping from the UK because he had slept with every woman that he wanted to in the entire country. <laughs> I don't know, but it, it, it seems he's to, slowly working his way West. Right. Yeah, exactly. He's going to, he's going to end up at, uh, you know, Sacramento community college or yeah, something. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But yeah, I think, I mean, that probably is a, a, crabby community college in california is probably his next step i'm probably sure and i i think that it was really smart of the show to introduce the this other character of dr swanoff who's the chair of the the psychology department because a it uh reinforces my uh opinion or belief or or whatever that that um professors don't really do clinical work yeah as as i've said this episode kind of makes a lot of subtext blatant you had said like why is he doing well it, it, he isn't supposed to be doing it. It is extraordinarily unethical what he's doing. And, I mean, especially the— He has no training in this. Yeah, and what is he doing? The I mean, even if he had training, this is still not—I mean, his his idea of helping her is he's drinking with her while she's just zonked out on medication. I mean, Yeah, he's, what is he doing exactly? That is, you know— I think Hatteras—you know, Hatteras certainly— views Tara as a gigantic money bag, you know, he knows that, you know, if this paper goes well, you know, that's the first step. He eventually has, he's already got the opening line of the book he wants to write about her eventually. Um, You know, he maybe has even started his outline. You know, that's what's happening. But I think to a degree, to the degree that Dr. Hatteras is capable of having acts of compassion and friendship I think he does feel compassion and friendship towards Tara. I mean, there is a bit where— I think he does like her. He does legitimately care about her. He's staying with her because he realizes, like, I'm the only one who's around who can actually do this. Now, because he's Dr. Hatteras, he is going to eventually get drunk and pass out and let Bryce come out. Uh, You know what this reminds me of, honestly, is, um, like, rock journalists— who who drink with the stars, who do drugs with the stars, who hang around them, be their friends— that's kind of what it feels like he's doing to me. Yeah, but in but in the case of a rock journalist, like that's okay, you know that, that you're not responsible for the welfare of the, right. the rock stars. Hatteras is placing the responsibility for Tara is is taking the responsibility for Tara, but as the dean you know points out, he doesn't have the right to, and he has doesn't have the ability to. Yeah, yeah, and I think also too, it's, it's key to. Do- I mean, I think this is. I think Doctor Hatteras is done. I yeah, yeah, yeah. This again. is the last. So you know, when when Doctor Swanoff is is driving off in his car, and and, and Doctor Hatteras is 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 yelling at him essentially very self righteously, but like I think you can really see why his career has taken yeah. the nosedive that it has. You know, when he's backed into a corner and people are criticizing him for for doing the wrong work or not doing the work at all, uh, he's going to lash out and he's going to lash out in ways that do not endear him to the person that he is lashing out to. Well, yeah, again, Hatteras thinks that he's doing the. I I think the worst part of Hatteras is that part of him thinks he's doing the right thing by this, that he feels like, well, you're abandoning this poor woman who is extraordinarily ill and who needs someone. I mean, it is true. Tara is extraordinarily ill. She needs someone. Hatteras, unfortunately, is not that guy, and yet he thinks he is. Yeah, yeah. And I also think, too, that, that you know, Tara is obviously trying to help herself. I mean, once Dr. Hatteras is out of the picture yeah. uh, at the end of Bryce Will Play, I think that he—and and he, I refer to Bryce here—is that 
he's obviously taking every opportunity he can to to take over the body mm-hmm. and you know he's doing this crazy pumpkin head shit and whatever, like whatever he's doing i have to say that that scene was amazingly staged like yeah 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 the way you imagine what he's actually doing to gimme is fucking horrifying it's one of the goriest murder scenes you know, you've ever seen and yet they managed to do it just through the suggestion yeah. it's wonderful yeah no it's very good I mean, Tony Collette is fucking terrifying as Bryce. Yeah, I mean, we, you know, maybe next week when, when we do a wrap up of the entire show or something, you know, we can talk about Tony Collette's acting because we haven't really talked about it in a while. But of course, it's very, very good. And her noir to Bryce is, is very, very good. Yeah. But I think where I was going with that is, is you know, Dr. Hatteras, you know, refills her medication and she's taking her pills again. Bryce is throwing them up. Dr. Hatteras doesn't really realize that, I think, yeah. until it's too late, of course. And he's, you know, going to the, the hospital with anaphylactic shock. But. Bryce coming out in in train wreck is Tara's fault because yes. she's snorting her pills, which seems like a fair thing to do. Um, I don't know if that's pharmacologically appropriate. That it's seems, not. Well, that seems like it would change the way they would work. But well, whatever. as as Tara suggests, no, it's not the ideal. But it, it, it's better than nothing, really. Like that's it's 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 going to get well, the medication it, stronger and quicker to you. It's not going to. But these things have certain time releases. Yes. Yeah, it's probably not going to last nearly as long. Yeah. She's probably not dosing herself appropriately because she doesn't realize exactly no. what a short time frame that is. And also, there's that one scene where someone knocks on the bathroom door when she's about to snort the medicine, and she doesn't do it. Yeah. And I think that's the moment when Bryce takes the opportunity yeah. to come out. Well, I mean, Marshall wants her to, you know, she, she realizes that Marshall needs her. Her son is grieving for his friend and he needs his mother. Yeah. You know, and we see medicated Tara. We've never really seen fucked up medicated Tara before. And even the the way that Marshall refers to her, like, oh, or, or we've got her. We've got either, you know, so-and-so, or we've got her. He, this is the version that we had wondered, you know, what was Tara like before the series? That's who Tara was before the series. She was heavily loopy on very heavy medication, and it was bad. Yeah. Um, And she really, you know, she... It's almost as if she thinks, well, I need to hold it together for my son. I can't be med- – medicated Tara is not going to be able to do that. So I've got to be unmedicated Tara and hold it together as- so I can be at the funeral for him and be a good mother. I mean she says to Max, like, I, ca- I need to be a good mother to my kid. Like that that's the one thing she feels that she needs to do and she can't even do it. That's part of why Bryce is coming out and destroying Marshall's room. Oh, sure. He's – He's ruining Marshall in this. He is sure. cutting Marshall away from her. But I think that that you said something very important there, which is that Tara wants to be a good mother. Yeah, and that's fine, and that's a that's a yeah. good instinct. But sometimes the best way to be a good parent is to stay the fuck away. Well, it, yeah, and it's not as if she's not being a good mother because she's you know doesn't have time to be there. She's you know it's not like a simple like well I can call it call off of work today and you know be there with the kid. Like it's not a situation like that. And I think too that that you know obviously it's not really the time and place to have a detailed conversation with Marshall about her her medication and what's going on with her. But it seems to me like you know if Tara said look. I've got this ultra coming out. He's violent. I don't want to deal with this. I'm going to be taking this medication. Mm-hmm. It's going to make me tired. It's going to make me um, loopy and and out of it. And, you know, I may not be able to go to the funeral, but isn't yeah. that better than having a homicidal 14-year-old running around? Well, that's true. 
I mean, I think Marshall probably would have said yes. And I think that's the fundamental tension with with Tara is that she seems to view it as I'm not myself on the medication. I'm not myself off the medication. So myself off the medication is better because my kids and my husband and my sister get me even in these brief doses. But the situation has fundamentally changed with Bryce coming. They're not people who are going to listen. You know, at this point, you get Alice, you get T, you get Buck, you know, Shoshana. You explain to them, listen, I need the body for this entire day. You know, you just need to. By the terms of the contract, they'll do that. But Bryce, again, cannot be reasoned with, cannot be be dealt with like that. Yeah, and also, I mean, you know, Bryce is just... You know he he is he is what the show has been coming uh, mm-hmm. you know kind of to a head and so there's no I mean it's almost like there's no stopping him to some to some degree yeah which is scary but there we are but I and I guess the what's terrifying about all of this though is that Tara is replaying a real person you yeah know, you know that's the thing this isn't just someone who is. Uh, to the degree to which Bryce is based off of the real Bryce is, I mean, Charmaine, see, you know, seems to recognize certain mannerisms and stuff. There, there is probably a very closeness between the actual Bryce as he, you know, did. But when you realize that this kid had unfettered access to two little girls, I mean, no wonder Tara is so damaged. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It, like that's the again the. the this is the show turning into horror, and these are the implications of that. And yeah, now we know why Tara is. And uh, well, yeah. And here's the question too: is 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 Bryce the first alter? Yeah. In other words, was Bryce the first one to appear from that? I don't know. Um, I thought there was an implication at some point that T might have been one of the first alters. Yeah, T definitely was because at the end of the first season with Trip Johansson, yeah, you know, he he called her T when he was leaving, and the mm-hmm. implication there was that. Um, he didn't actually have sex with with Terry. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. Had yeah. Sex with who he thought was T, or and, had sex with T, whatever, however you want to put it. And part of my understanding of DID is that that is how it happens. You, you know, essentially another personality develops because you know then T is going through it. Tara isn't, and so that's how Tara is able to protect herself. But yeah, it's disassociation. Yeah, but I think that that you know Tara was probably I think she was supposed to be sixteen at that point. Mm-hmm. You know, um, she was a lot younger when Bryce was around, so. If T was developed yeah. later, Bryce might be the first alter. Mm. I mean, there, the implication, of course, is that Tara did. I mean, remember back in the the very beginning of this season when Max said, "Well, the last time you tried to go to college, you tried to kill yourself." Yeah. And Ooh. I think that that was Bryce. Ooh. I don't think that was Tara. No, I didn't even click on that. But yeah, that's that's actually a uh, that's actually possible. Yeah. So I mean, I think that Bryce has been around for a very long time, mm. and and maybe no one even realized it. Yeah. Didn't need to be around or, you know, the others were stronger in a way against someone like Alice with the capability of suppressing Bryce is going to fucking suppress Bryce. You know, Buck is going to suppress Bryce. Even T doesn't want him around. Yeah. So, yes, maybe they maybe this is the part where Bryce is finally strong enough to because, you know, Tara's obviously forgotten all about him. uh consciously by the time that you know her mother finally tells the story of how that happened so you know but she tara remembers you know buck and t and all of them very well so yeah it is possible that bryce just kind of faded into the background as tara's memory of the actual incidents began to fade as well yeah yeah i think so 
So, so maybe the last thing to talk about um, before we move on um, to, I guess, ending the show, because there's nothing else to talk about, is Max and Marshall's adventures in New York. I think that, yeah. and specifically the, 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 the argument that they get into on the street, um, I think is, is really interesting because just in, in, in a very similar way to how Tara is and embraced, you know, with Tara through Bryce or however you want to yeah. say it, is attempting to drive her family away to, to protect them. I think that that Max is realizing that Marshall is his own person. He is yeah. obviously in his element in New York, even if he doesn't quite know um, yeah. what he's doing. And well, he is just young. He's and being it, pretentious, you know. Which get one one after you know six months into his freshman year at NYU, he'll know the lay of the land a little better. Like he's inexperienced in New York, but he is very much the kind of person who can swim in that kind of environment. It's yeah, true. Yeah. I mean, I think it's funny because, um, a, he, the first thing he wants to do is jaywalk. Uh, yes. I loved that. I, I, I miss jaywalking. I mean, a couple of, I'm going to Bryce's line to Hatteras when, you know, he's has the anaphylactic shock and he's saying, you know, really you were the one who created me. Uh, now that's probably bullshit, especially if, Number one, especially if your theory that he's been around for longer, and we see him in the very first episode when she's barely met Doctor Hatteras. So, you know his work. You know, maybe his maybe Hatteras's work damaged Tara enough that you know it it, it provided a structure for which Bryce was able to mm-hmm. emerge in this mm-hmm. way. I don't know, but Bryce was there. But anyway, Bryce says, you know, don't all sons dream of killing their father. We see a much less dramatic version of that with what Marshall and Marshall is doing with Max. Obviously, Max is not murdering his father. Most men do not murder their fathers, but— You mean Marshall. What? You said Max. You mean Marshall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Um, Mar- Max's father is never in the picture. Huh. Um, this is Marshall's—Marshall atten- maybe is trying to wound his father a little oh, bit sure. or separate from him. And I don't know to— I think some of Marshall's motivations are a little confused because I think there is a nobility into this film. You know, the what he sees from his father is the love and the willing and the commitment and all of that kind of a thing. Um I mean Marshall I I mean to me, you know, we didn't see the whole film, but no. from what we saw it didn't seem like it was attacking his father really. Well, it was giving it was giving Marshall's interpretation or his his opinion yeah. on what his father um, has been doing with his life, but I, I think there's another thing going on here, which is that um, that may be what Max thinks sometimes mm. that he is a sucker for stay and that he was lashing out because not because yeah. that's what Marshall really thinks, but that that's what Max thinks sometimes. Yeah, I mean, it's a the film is at once extraordinarily loving and complimentary towards Max, and at the same time, it's also a little. I mean, it's trying to make a nobility. It's a little condescending. Out of yeah, out of what is Max's everyday life. I mean, the film pours, you know, portrays Max as this, you know, downtrodden working class hero with a crazy wife who's, you know, making good and doing what he should, you know. And it, Marshall has always been of the opinion that Max thinks his own life is horrible and he's suffering, but he's doing it because it's the right thing. And Max. Especially when he's talking about the videos from, you know, when they yeah. were first together, uh, when Tara was pregnant. Seems that, but, you know, because Max says, like, no, I loved her. We were happy. Like, it wasn't yeah. something he was suffering and going through and martyring himself for. No, this was the life that he chose. You know, this was the life he wanted. And and I don't think Max is a very introspective guy. I don't yeah. mean that as a criticism. 
And I think that, no. that being confronted with the way other people view him is is yeah. uncomfortable because he's not very introspective. That's true. You know, I don't think he's used to thinking that way. He's also he's not used to being the main character, frankly. Yeah, I mean, that's true too. Tara, is, you know, when it comes to their family, yes, Tara is obviously the main character, but Kate could also be the main character because you know she's so dynamic and you know, ambitious and exciting and fun to be around. And Marshall could be the main character because he's so smart and wise and introspective. But yeah, Max never thinks he's going to be the one that everybody focuses on. And once he actually sees focus on him, it's very uncomfortable for him. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's right. Do we want to talk about Charmaine's book club? We just talked about it. There we go. (laughs) That's all I wanted to say. All right, well, I think that's it for this episode of Tuning In. If you have any thoughts on either of the episodes of United States of Terror we just talked about, Brace Will Play or Trainwreck, please leave a comment on the post for this episode of the podcast at tuninginshow.com. You can check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash truckaboutshow, which coincidentally enough also supports our other podcast, Truckabout. We are getting towards the end of the seventh and final season of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. <gasps> so if you have not listened to Truckabout, it would be a bad, bad time to get into it. But all yeah. our back episodes are there, and we're starting a new show in just a few weeks, Star Trek Voyager. Oh, wow. All 300 episodes of Truckabout. Not quite that many, but close. Not even close, actually. I think it's like 240 or something. Oh, it's only 240. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Tuning In Show. You can find us in all those places. And as always, please leave us a positive iTunes review for Tuning In. It is very much appreciated. All right, next week, we are wrapping up the third and final season of United States of Terror with the last two episodes of the show ever, unless Netflix brings it back. Oh, 10 years later. may happen. You never know. But before I tell you what those episodes are, it's time for your last hint (gasps) before we reveal... What our next show on Tuning In is going to be. What's the hint? Washington, D.C. That's the hint. Oh, I think I know what show they're going to think it's going to be, but they're going to be so wrong. I hope that they do. That's what I was going for. All right. Next week, we are finishing up the season. We are talking and the series. We are talking about the episodes Crunchy Ice and The Good Parts. And all I have to say about that is I'm glad that the last two episode titles were not wacky. I actually really like the last two episode titles because especially in the context that but we'll talk about that next week. We will. Mac, why do you-